tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? back for another issue of i think it's called imagine if it's been a while oh of course it's it's uh, <laughs> it's one of the longest running books out there unfortunately uh one of the co-writers just kind of got sick <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i don't think we could really help when either one of us gets sick and it happens so i'm uh, not too upset about it at least the good thing is that means we're irreplaceable, right? I, so. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I have to say I, I did hear uh, your guest spot on another podcast. Congratulations. You were on uh, the Entertain cast with, uh, you know, uh, Matt, Richard, and Chris. And, and now they're calling you Dr. Franey. So that's pretty impressive. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Holy cow. Jeez. I, I oh, man. <laughs> I, uh. If only I had the doctor pay. I've got the signature. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I have to say, with uh, the amount of studying uh, you and I both, uh, we might have gotten a doctorate in comic books by now. <laughs> you know, I, I just wish, because I know we both did the college thing, and it's like, now you have these respectable universities that literally offer college college. Uh, comic programs so it's like yeah your textbooks are watchmen the dark knight returns okay yes we'll suffer through some stuff but then you get to bring in these other amazing stories like blackest night and 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 all this and i'm just thinking myself like my god we did those studies for free (laughs) (laughs) that that could have been a bachelor's degree that could have been a master's degree you know exactly for you know phd of cbs you know that sounds pretty good Uh, yeah, I mean, that'd definitely be the one textbook I would read uh, cover to cover. But yeah, no, I wanted to say you did a great job of talking about su- the Suicide Squad movie uh, and uh, informing them on a lot of things. You know, it was it was pretty impressive. Oh, well, thank you, kind sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, comics, man, it's hard to stop talking. You know, it's just it's such a it's such a great community. You know, I mean, you starting this whole thing up with Geek Elite and us getting to, you know, just meet and talk comics, it's fantastic. You know, it's just, it's such a great thing to do. I mean, comics are such a beautiful hobby. I mean, you got guys who could like the Punisher and they'll be talking to guys who like Batman. And even though they have different ideologies, in the end, it's like, no, it's all about, you know, doing the right thing. That's what's awesome about comic books, you know. You got all kinds of walks of life that can still meet and have a conversation about doing the right thing. Right, and then, you know, it's also, you know, it's uh, becoming such a, a force in pop culture now with it, the fact that it's invading so many different uh, other mediums with TV, uh, movies, and, and video games, and it's all being done so well. Like, it, it's not yeah. it's not like the, the cheesy 70s and 80s and even 90s, you know, movies and TV shows and video games that we got before. Exactly. Like, that's what's awesome. I mean, like, you look at something, well, you know, the ghostwriter thing just happened. People are talking about it. They're excited about it, you know, and it's like, oh, that's awesome. Because before, like, gosh, you know, your, your, your live action TV, you know, I mean, Smallville did it. It held it for the longest time. But even then, it, it wasn't done to a total degree. I mean, it was a good saga of Clark Kent. It, it was. You know, it's it's like an Elseworlds, you know. But now when you're watching these other ones, kind of like, all right, this could be this could be the real thing that I'm looking at, you know, as close as it gets. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, and, and like, like you said, I love talking about comic books too. Uh, so I, I'm glad that we were able to create this particular podcast together. And even if, uh, no one else is out there listening, we're still getting our comic book talk on every week or eh, hey, close to every week as we can. They're, they're listening. They're listening. <laughs> Thank you, fans, for doing it. And, you know, definitely keep chiming on the message boards. I know you, you did a good job of going out there recruiting, and we, we got some good people talking about stuff. So it's going to be fun to help them learn more about their comics. And, you know, it, person by person, that's how we do it. <laughs> that's true. And, and that's what, you know, let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about some comic book news for this week or the last two weeks, and then we'll get to what we did talk about on Facebook. 
Okay. Well, let's see. Um, currently, there's really not too much going on. Um, DC Comics is doing fantastic with Rebirth. They're totally killing the market, and Marvel isn't doing so hot with Civil War Two, which is slowing the market. Um, the comic book coloring book craze is going, so they're actually going to start doing some connect the dot books, which is great for us amateur artists because now you connect the dots, you draw it, you ink <laughs> it, you color it, and you've done your own artwork. So that's coming down the pipe. Um, some big stuff, I guess, stuff that's on my radar that I would hype up for you folks. So last Tuesday, Injustice, the digital comic, came to its conclusion. So that's the official five-year prequel before the Injustice video game took place. Um, I was, I, and, and they rec- obviously they recently just announced that they're doing Injustice 2. And, of course, if there's a video game, there will be a comic. So I kept hoping, man, I really hope they do like a comic that basically kind of summarizes the video game. And lo and behold, I guess it's a good idea because it's happening. Uh, Injustice Gods Among Us Ground Zero. So basically, it's going to be, I think, five or six. I'm not too sure. Uh, It's going to be a couple of issues. And basically, it's going to tell the story of Injustice, the video game. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see exactly what happens. The catch, though, to give it the sale, to give it the pop, it's going to be through the view of Harley Quinn. So if you're a Harley fan, fantastic. If you're a fan of Injustice, great. Um, if you want to read a good comic, hopefully that'll be the one. Um, well, it's going makes... to be interesting. Go oh, I'm sorry. It just, it, I was going to say that makes sense because I would say that with the the success of the comic books that led up to uh, the first game, the one that you said just ended, I, uh-huh. I, uh, it, it definitely seems like Carly Quinn is the breakout like character because of the way that the I guess the more the revelations that we got from uh, her character in in stuff like how uh, she was pregnant once and you know their all her interactions with Oliver Queen and Black Canary and all that kind of stuff so uh, it really to me it really seemed that way especially from the outside yeah I mean Margot Robbie I mean sorry Harley Quinn <laughs> <laughs> no but she 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 did uh, she, uh, like. Tom Taylor and Brian Busiello, I'm sure I'm saying that last name wrong, they did a great job. Uh, they kept her voice consistent, and that's true. I mean, that moment when you know they revealed in the Injustice universe that Harley Quinn had a child, that was a deep issue. You know, that was like, wow, I, I you know, because you never really think about Harley Quinn. She's not too, she doesn't have much depth, and that comic did a good job of giving her some depth. So yeah, um, it'll be interesting. She's not necessarily my character of pick. But, hey, as long as it's a good story, I'll be very interested to see how it's going to go down. So look out for that. That's going to come out in December. So it's going to be a long wait because right now Injustice is done. So we got to wait till December for some more new action. So it's going to be tough. You, you said that it was, <laughs> uh, you know, it, was, it just ended its, its digital run. But I myself have the first three trade paperbacks. So does the digital run then get transferred into trade paperback volumes? Yes. Okay. So right now, um, they did basically two digital chapters equal one real comic book and one trade paperback equals six real comic books, if that makes sense. Yeah. So 12 digital chapters. Yeah. So basically right now the digital are sorry, the digital book is done. The physical comic is on issue 18, which by the way, if you're a Deathstroke fan, go pick it up. It's a fantastic read. It's a nice done-in-one story featuring Slade. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Um, go out there and treat yourself. Or, you know, obviously when the trades get caught up, you know, go buy year. Like I personally, I know you, Mitch, I would say year five is going to be your favorite. Why? Because it's the year of the villains. <laughs> and I know you definitely. I mean, you know, that's that's part of your your, your group. You know? So I'm like, oh, that's, that's totally going to be right up your alley. So. Yeah, so we still got two more physical issues of the comic book, and then it'll be caught up with the digital. Um, actually, I think there's an annual, but I have not confirmed it. I haven't seen anything, but they usually do an annual every year, so I think that'll be coming. So, yeah, we should probably have two physical comics, an annual, this Ground Zero mini, and then Injustice Year 2. And what's exciting is with Injustice Year 2, we will actually be getting Tom Taylor back. And Tom Taylor, honestly, he was the heart and soul of that book. He's the one who took it and made it what it was. Because I've I've been the sucker. I always buy the tie-in books. You know, I buy the TV book. I buy the cartoon book. I buy the video game book. And I'm always disappointed. They suck. 
And this time <laughs> I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then later on, I'm paying $40 to buy Injustice <laughs> issue one. Damn it, Tom. You owe me 38 bucks. <laughs> so, but it's well spent money. <laughs> that's very true. Now, uh, with Injustice 2, uh, the video game coming out, if they were smart, I would set that video game like five years after the first video game. And you'd have to get cut, like, then they could, you could another, sell another five years of books that, that cover the in-between <laughs> time. I, I, I'm down for it, but at the same time, um, <laughs> I want to be able to, I want to, it's funny because sometimes, I don't know if you ever have this morbid thought. Like, I always see the meme, like, I hope I don't die soon because there's all these movies coming out. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh, man, I hope I don't die because I don't, I want to know how Injustice ends. I want to <laughs> see how the story goes. <laughs> So I need to be around at least ten more years, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I say. I, I can't. I can't die before uh, you know the last Marvel movie comes out. So <laughs> Disney owns my soul. <laughs> we're gonna be. We're gonna be Futurama style with those heads in the little jars. You know, <laughs> that'd be fine with me. Just drop the popcorn in the the, the water, and I'll chew on it from there. <laughs> Fishy style. Nom, nom, nom. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, nice. There's a visual. <laughs> so if you can draw, draw our heads in the little jars. That's what we need. Right now. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. OK, so going back to books, another book I want to plug, uh, Dark Man, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. So this one's kind of funny. This is really going back to um, like the 60s and 70s era of comics. So what they're going to do is and this is a very it's a very unique comic book. Um they're getting Sarah Vaughn and Lan Medina to team up, and they're going to do these three-issue, 48-page prestige format books. So that's some top-of-the-line print quality, and they're going to be some beefy books. And so basically, uh, Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love, if I remember correctly, that's like an old comic book of DC. So they're taking this, you know, because they had like the, the, the House of Secrets and the, the House of Monsters, stuff like that. So that was one of their, their, their 70s books, and they're going to bring Dead Man into it. So I'm a sucker for romance, and especially, like, dark, sad romance. I, I guess it's, it's a reflection of my own love life. <laughs> and so da- Dead Man being one of my characters that I follow, I'm totally stoked to see this is where it's going to go. So I guess basically he finds out that there's this couple coming to the mansion, and the woman, she can see and interact with ghosts. So, of course, Dead Man is excited because... No one can see him unless he possesses somebody. So I'm curious, okay, well, what's going to happen? You know, like, what's, what's going to be the tie-off? What's going to be the payout? What's going to happen? So I'm very excited to see, you know, what are they going to do to Dead Man's poor, twisted little heart? <laughs> <laughs> so I recommend that one. Um, if you get a chance, Google Dead Man Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. The paintings that they've released so far, I'm guessing, will be the covers. Looks beautiful. Very beautiful haunting art. So I highly recommend that one. Nice. Yeah, but otherwise, news-wise, no, nothing much. Just if you're if you're reading the books, I definitely I, I I love both companies. But right now, I am putting my DC comics up front more than I am my Marvel comics. So I would definitely say you know jump on the Rebirth train. It's fantastic. Uh, Marvel right now is very divided, and you know get ready for what two Iron Mans, two Thors, two Captain Americas, two Hulks. Uh, I saw that. I saw the news yeah. about She Hulk's dropping the She, so she's just going to be Hulk now. Yep, so you're going to have Riri Williams as Ironheart, Doctor Doom as the infamous Iron Man, Jane Foster as the mighty Thor, Thor as the unworthy Thor, Steve Rogers, Captain America, Sam Wilson, Captain America, Adamus Cho, Hulk, and then Jennifer Walters, Hulk. So, I mean, right there is a civil war waiting to happen. You know, <laughs> who is, who's, the, who's the, the pretender and who's the real thing? So it's know? Civil War Three, the battle for the naming rights. Right, yeah, <laughs> trademark. <laughs> so, uh, and the one thing that I did come across on on Twitter today was the there was a picture of, uh, I believe it's Spider Man and Mary Jane, and then a, a younger someone, a younger lady who all have Spider Man suits on or spider suits on. So, uh, I thought this was very interesting since I'm not reading Spider Man at the moment. Thought maybe you could uh, fill me in on what's going on here. Yeah. Okay. So, well, okay. A couple of things. If we're, if we're going to open the spider can, as I like to call it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so if we're going to do that, so basically what you got to keep going on with is Marvel is finally doing the one thing it used to make fun of DC for the longest time, multiple earths. 
Now, yes, I know you could say, well, wait a minute, there was exiles and, you know, what ifs and stuff like that. And yes, Marvel's done a good job, but they only would visit those stories sporadically. They never really made it, you know, the big thing. So pretty much we have, let's see, in the Spider-Man proper, so Marvel proper, Marvel 616, if we're allowed to still call it that, you have the Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man book, which is just getting ready to start the clone conspiracy, which, by the way, again, another story I recommend you go pick up um, because this one definitely takes the idea that no one's dying they will be coming back. So that's going to be very exciting. Um, so that's where the Spider-Man proper book is. Then last year when Marvel did their um, Secret Wars, they had all these different battle realm. And one of the realms was called Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. And in it, it basically, it, it, it's, it's the Marvel U without Mephisto taking away the love of Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Mm. So Pete and MJ stayed married. They had their daughter, Annie Parker, which, as you pointed out last time, we had May Parker for the MC2 line after Aunt May. This time we get Annie, so it's probably, you know, some Aunt Anna reference there. So, yeah, uh, Jerry Conway, a famous Spider-Man writer. Actually, if I remember correctly, I think he's the man who killed Gary, uh, Gwen Stacy. Yeah, so, I believe so. Jerry Conway is going to be teaming up uh, with artist Ryan Stegman, and they're going to be doing a book. Um, and it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited because... I, I don't know. I, I, I'm fine with characters growing. You know, I like that stuff. I, I was never against the Peter MJ marriage. I thought it was great. Um, I mean, yes, I do like big time and everything since then. I think it's been fantastic. Um, but it just felt unnatural the way it happened. You know, I, I think I could have believed more. She got tired of it and left him versus, oh, sure, the devil wants our, our love as opposed to souls or anything else, you know. So I found that kind of funny, but it is what it is. So I'm excited to read this book. And I think it's funny because we were kind of talking about this. Both DC and Marvel, you know, they want to find ways to make their characters younger. And right now, I guess maybe with the age of the dad bod, you know, maybe that's why we're <laughs> having Superman is married to Lois Lane with Jonathan as their son. And now Peter Parker is married to Mary Jane with Annie as their daughter. So I, I love the symmetry. Of course, I love that stuff. My comic book, my, my feng shui comic bookness is totally <laughs> harmonizing right now. So I'm totally excited. So, um, yeah, definitely that book will be coming out pretty soon here. Um, if you want to get the backstory on it, just go pick up the Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows trade coming out of the Secret Wars line, and that'll get you up to speed. So if you haven't started yet, you're only like five or six comics behind. It was a good, fun read, and it'll be interesting to see where this takes place because is it going to be lost stories from the Secret War, or is it going to be somehow they survived and they're in the Marvel proper, they just haven't run into our Spider-Man and our Mary Jane just yet. So a lot of questions come out of that, and it'll be exciting to see how Marvel and Jerry Conway tackle that. That would be crazy if they were still in the 616 proper. Fantastic. I mean, honestly, I, you know, like, could you imagine, you know, like, here's these two Peter Parkers meeting, and it's like, wow, you know, like one, you know, like, you know, again, meeting yourself, you know, we understand we're bachelors, but could you imagine, you know, another version of you comes up who's married and has a child, and, <laughs> you know, you kind of look at yourself and be like, ah, oh, the freedom or ah, oh, the loser, you never know, so <laughs> it'd be kind of interesting to see how they how they view and see each other in that light. You know, and, and with speaking of Spider-Man, uh, we, uh, a couple weeks ago, we put out on Facebook and, and Twitter, we wanted to know what everybody's favorite spider suit would be now i didn't put uh i, I made sure to, to to put down that you know i don't want who do you think was best drawn or which artist did the best job or anything like that i literally just want to know which suit uh you enjoyed the most um maybe for its functionality or its design or you know it's uh it's just uh creativity so a, a few examples, and you know there are many of many suits out there. A few examples I put up though. Oh were, yeah, were uh, Spider-Man 2099. Now I know that's traditionally not writ, uh, worn by Peter Parker, but it is a Spider-Man suit. Um, yep. Uh, armored Spider-Man, which you know ha is the, I'm I'm talking about the the silver one with the yeah, it's all the reflective backer look with the black trim. Yeah. Right. Uh, the original suit, which would have been. Drawn by Steve Ditko, right? 
Yeah, with the little web wings. Yep. And the, the, yeah, yeah. Then uh, the Iron Spider-Man suit that we got from Civil War. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. And uh, Scarlet Spider, the original Scarlet Spider with the torn uh, sweatshirt. Some might say the best. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where you're either leaning towards there. Uh, one one uh, one suit that I I always enjoyed. Probably not my favorite, but the Spider Clan suit, the from the Spider Man anime, like not anime uh, manga. That when Marvel tried oh, to do that whole manga look. Yeah, he had the the wrapped fist and stuff like that. Right? Yeah, the wrapped fist and and feet and and kind of a short sleeve shirt. Yeah, that was a cool one. And then uh, the suit that I, 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 I'm going to say that I enjoyed the most is the stealth suit Spider-Man. The one that he built at New Horizons. Was it, was it New Horizons or just Horizons? When he was... Uh... I think it may have been New Horizons. Okay. So, yeah, back when he was... Um... He was working for that uh, Think Group or whatever. Yeah, and you know what's funny about that suit? You know who has that one, right? I don't. Who has that suit now? So that suit um, actually got used. So it became the new Scarlet Spider, which is Kane. Oh. Um, because when they that, that that suit was made right before Spider Island, right? And so Kane was just like, "Shit, I need some clothes," and he put on that costume. Obviously, it has the stealth capability, so he used it, and that's where he came up with the design for the new Scarlet Spider, which is the black and red ensemble that he wears. Mm. So that's kind of funny. That suit did live on. It just found a, a different look. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, and that, I, th- I thought it was interesting because it had a few different functions. Like it can make him go invisible or it can uh, totally cancel out sound and stuff like that. Um, and the yeah, last, that was a cool suit. The last suit I put up was obviously the the, uh, the now classic symbiote suit, black suit, whichever one you want to call it. Which would eventually become Venom. Oh, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a cool costume. That was a really good design. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you know who was that originally designed that suit? I want to give credit. Um, I think it was Mike Zek. I know he was the artist of Secret Wars. Okay. But <clears throat> I'm not too sure if when Secret Wars happened, because obviously I was very young, I don't know if they did, like, here's what happened in the comics, and then they did the story, kind of like when DC did that one year later. So right. the comic started, and then for the next year, you would go backwards and try to figure out what happened. I'm not too sure if that's what they did or how it played out, but it was kind of something along those lines. So I, I think I want to give credit to Mike Zek, but it could have been whoever was the Spider-Man artist at the time that came up with the creation. Okay. So, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, and obviously it, it came out of Secret Wars. So which one? Yeah. Did, which one would you say that was your favorite? Well, I guess for me, like my overall pick, and again, this goes. This is nostalgia playing at its finest. But uh, you know, we all know about Spider Man. We all, you know, I, my first issue of Spider Man, I think it was Spectacular Spider Man number one eighty three. He was fighting Doc Ock, and you know, the uh, it, it just was a it was a bland comic. Luckily, I caught part three of three. So to me, it felt like a done in one you know i remember reading the start and i was confused but i was like yeah hey, whatever you know the, the ending looks really good um but the big one the biggest suit for me because when i really started understanding that comic books come out on wednesdays you want to buy these things because they have a, a story going on um uh, i was i really got wholeheartedly into the clone saga and i really liked the story of ben riley so obviously his his uh, Scarlet Spider suit is my favorite costume. Nice, uh, just because that was his, right? You know, I, and and I, I I liked I liked the look of it. You know, he had the little hoodie, so it, it you know it was kind of dark. Put the hood on, or he could be lighthearted. And I just thought it was simple. You know, the red and blue and the little black spider on it. Uh, I did like the exposed web shooters. I thought that was a cool look to it. And obviously, you know, him as a character, he brought a lot more to the Spider mythos. You know, he had the the whole impact webbing, you know, where he he could design his web shooters so they'll do more. Um, And then he took over as Spider-Man, creating a new costume, which was the Ben Riley Spider-Man costume. But I just thought he was a fantastic character. Uh, Unfortunately, he was too short-lived. Hopefully, you know, Marvel, if you're listening, Clone Conspiracy would be a great time to bring back a fantastic (laughs) character in an amazing costume. So just throwing that out there. But yeah, for me, my ultimate pick would definitely be the uh, Ben Riley Scarlet Spider costume. I loved it. Nice. Uh, 
like I said earlier, the stealth suit uh, that he built at Horizons or New Horizons, I, I really enjoyed that because it had all the different, uh, you know, uh, uh, attributes, and then it also showed him making the suit. Like, I know that all these other suits he also made, maybe except for the exception of the Iron Spider suit, but uh, right. it's it's very much so, like, brings in once again, and we've talked about this a, a bunch of times, how Peter Parker is also supposed to be one of the top brains of the Marvel universe, you know, the fact that he, yeah. in the, in the Sam Raimi, uh, Spider-Man movies, which I enjoy for the most part, the, uh, they took away his, his building of the web shooters was a, was a big detriment because it, it kind of takes away a little bit of his intelligence. Yeah. Well, no, exactly. Like that's what people forget that, you know, Peter Parker could have been the next, Tony Reed Stark, Richards, or yeah, you know? yeah, he, yeah, he could have. He's this genius, but it's just he was so responsible. And Spider-Man coming along, it happened, and that's why I really like with Dan. And that's what saves Spider-Man for me is Dan Slott really gets the character, and he plays a lot with the scientific Peter Parker mind, which I think is great. And exactly that self suit you're talking about is fantastic because it shows how good Peter Parker is at what he does. Exactly. You know? I mean. Hell, that costume beats the hell out of any Iron Man suit, heads down, you know? <laughs> I mean, he could wear that thing and be virtually undetectable at any time. And it's like, that's awesome. That's Yeah, exactly. So uh, a few of the people that talked to us on Facebook, we got Daniel Barroso says, it's always a tie between Iron Spider and the symbiote spider suit for him. Uh, but of course, not the one from Spider-Man nice, Three. Good picks. <laughs> he, yeah, he just—he obviously said, he, <laughs> but he, yeah, he doesn't like the Spider-Man Three one. We, we all kind of just forget about Spider-Man Three for the most part. Uh, yeah, no, the symbiote <laughs> spider and the Iron Spider are great because you know the Iron Spider suit, though not not built by uh, Peter himself, built by Tony Stark. You have that memorable scene in. Uh, uh, in Civil War, where Tony shuts it down because Spider-Man has has changed sides to Cap's side, and he shuts it down with a word, and then Peter Parker's just like, "Yeah, but I'm also in, I'm also a genius too, so I overwrote your your uh, cutoff button or your kill Code, switch." Yeah. yeah, so he turns it right back on, and that you know to me will always be a very big like hooray moment in uh, Civil War. Oh, yeah. No, I think that was a fantastic moment because it's funny. I always remember and I wish like, I, you know, I've talked to you about how I do my own binding of comics and I should have done this before the big hoopla. But I've always wanted to put together like a really good read of Civil War. And I would include those three issues of Spider-Man where it was. I, remember, I always remember the cover where it was Spider-Man sitting on in the middle of the couch and Iron Man on one side and Captain America on the other. And they're watching TV. And I, I just thought it was such a random cover because you know, <laughs> here's these superheroes watching TV. But it was funny because Tony did that. You know, he became very chummy, chummy, and like, oh, I could be that cool uncle you never had. Yeah, we should totally be buddies. And you know, he bought him off with the suit, and it, it was a cool design. Joe Quesada did a fantastic job. I didn't understand why it only had the three arms, though. That always kind of bugged me. Yeah, I thought it, it should have had too. four because that way he's at least eight. Um, but it, it was it was a fantastic suit. It was a great design, and you know they just they, they knocked it out of the park with that one. And it has such a beautiful story that's tied in with it too. Uh, and then Andy Controlla also said the Iron Spider-Man suit, and then he also said the Scarlet Spider one. So those are his two. Hey, suits. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you're you're in good company there. And uh, heck yeah, see. <laughs> we also had one vote from uh, from Twitter where they said they uh, and I don't remember the name and I don't want to go look it up. But sorry, uh, but they said uh, <laughs> the Todd McFarlane designed Spider Man suit, which you know has the elongated spider uh, symbol, and then it also has the web shooters on the outside, I believe, right? Uh, he didn't have it on the on the outside. What he was famous for, as, as Todd McFarlane calls it, the spaghetti webbing. Okay. So he, he very much drew him like very thin, petite, physical build. Um, a lot of detail in the black webbing because I, I imagine that's got to be one of the things artists hate when they draw Spider-Man is inking all that, drawing all those lines for the, the, the black webbing on the red outlines. Right. But, uh, but yeah, no, he, he was big famous for that. And again, he would just he would kill it with the webbing, just webbing everywhere. And very dynamic poses too. Very, very much so. 
so that that's that's the story with that and then we uh let's see we had yet another question that we posed on uh facebook and twitter which was uh you know i i I just wanted to talk about how the fact that we we all people always get into the discussion of who's your favorite robin but at this point we've had so many (laughs) different batgirls so why not talk about who's your favorite yeah. Batgirl? Because we, uh, looking up the research, you have Golden Age Betty Kane, uh, Barbara Gordon, the traditional one. Hello Burton, Hel- Helena Bertinelli took over. Uh, was it uh, right after Barbara went in the wheelchair before Ka- Cassandra Kane became the the Batgirl? And it, I guess it was only short lived. Yeah, yeah, she was kind of there. Uh, yeah, very shortly because they kind of liked her more as Huntress, right? And then there's Cassandra Kane, who uh, is the daughter of I want to say David Kane, uh, one of the assassins something like that. Not too sure. League of Shadows. I don't. I think his first name is David. Uh, then there's Stephanie Brown, who was once spoiler, and then also once a Robin, who beca- who eventually became yeah. uh, Batgirl, and then eventually Charlotte Gage Radcliffe, who uh, she has a teleporting power, doesn't she? Not too sure that that name's not really ringing a bell. She must be very new. I think it was right before New Fifty Two. Uh, it was the last one to be uh, Batgirl. She kind of just kind of—I I believe she just stumbled onto the whole fact about it, and she kind of she eventually just—I think she eventually just called herself Sidekick or something like that. <laughs> wow, I'll have to check up on her then. So yeah, and if you look at her her costume. Her, her first costume is very non-traditional. It's just uh, uh, it looks like it might just be pieces of of stuff from from other costumes. There's like she's got like a uh, almost a Nightwing like t shirt on, and then jean skirt, a utility belt, and a black and yellow uh, black and yellow cape. That makes me think of uh, what was her name, uh, Manhunter. How she had like the Azrael gauntlets and and she just piecemealed together a superhero suit from the recycled bin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, from all the different uh, evidence pieces that she caught up or found. So uh, yeah, and then Andy uh, was also commented on this one. He said the one from the Killing Joke movie. Uh, oh God! <laughs> and I'm guessing it might have been a little bit of a joke just because of you know in that particular animated movie. They decided to make it rated R, and I'm guessing for the very much for the fact that she rips her shirt off and has her way with Batman on top of a roof. Yeah, I, <laughs> that that I I still I I, I guess I, I got to say if you do feel the need to watch it, just skip the first 20 minutes. It's called the Killing Joke, and I don't know why they put that half an hour build up. It was just like really of all the things you could have done, you give us that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I kind of understand it. I mean, they didn't. I don't think they need to throw that particular part in. But the whole idea is that this whole movie, really, I mean, the whole the whole story for the for a good part of it revolves around Batgirl and the fact that her identity is Barbara Gordon. So they, I think, they wanted to give her more of a backstory and then and give the audience who don't know the Killing Joke uh, as a as a story or maybe even Batgirl as a character, like more of an essence so that you care more when she gets shot and like her life lies in the balance. So yeah. Yeah. Well, they, 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 uh, they definitely didn't make me care more about her. <laughs> well, no, I mean, in, for, I, mean I, I think for me saying. and you, it, it, it wouldn't because we know Batgirl, we know the idea behind it. And I think, I think probably 90% of the people that probably more like 99% of the people that watch that movie are already going to know who Batgirl is. But you know, from an executive point of view, they need to have something else. <laughs> True, but you know, the the only bummer with it is, so like when I talk with a lot of friends, or even you know when I was talking with Chris from uh, That's Entertainment, it's one of those things where it's like, of course, I always love to spread the gospel of comic books. You know, hey, get out there, read them, watch them, listen to them, whatever your medium is. But that movie, and it sucks because I would totally like, you know, I would let, you know, I would let you know my kid or a buddy's kid i would let them read uh killing joke i think it's a great story you know i remember reading it when i was younger and it's not like i i was like oh man there's you know this rape and and all this craziness i just i remember reading and thinking wow that was a good story um but that movie no i would not i would not let them watch it just because it's 
it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> and like, as you, as my friend, I wouldn't let you watch it because it's so weird. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, no, just, just stay away from it. They did a horrible job. And I, I don't know. And I don't know why they thought like, okay, I mean, yes, of course you want to make the character, you know, um, more connectable because that way when you lose them you, it, the impact is stronger but they just they totally made barbara gordon seem like a whiny selfish jerk and it was it was bad i don't know it just kind of fell on its face in my opinion no i i think it really did too and i i think the way that they pushed it I, the, the whole i think the whole thing behind like I was excited that they were making the Killing Joke into an animated movie because I really think that the DC animated movies do a really great job for the most part. There are there are ones that I have problems with, but for the most part, they do a good job of uh, adapting the, the comic book. Uh, and I yeah. think I think you know what it is that with our culture at the moment that at, at the way it is at the moment, you know, people love the villain. And I know we joke about how I love villains. Uh, too, I I particularly like stories about villains. I love the heroes more, right? But I love the stories about villains, especially the villains that need to, that are trying to redeem themselves. But <coughs> the obsession that you know our current culture has with like Joker, and then you know, then uh, it, to an extension Harley and Joker and their relationship, even though it's obviously a very bad one. Um, People, they, I think they really think that this movie was gonna was just gonna draw people out of the woodwork, and I just don't think it did. I don't think it did nearly as as well as they thought it was going to. Well, I think honestly, and it's a shame because they did they they picked a great story, you know, and and obviously yes, like I think more of the modern fans when they think Joker, they think Joker and Harley Quinn, and relatively Joker and Harley Quinn is very new. It's it's not oh yeah big. Um, so I think they were hoping for that. And, you know, for guys like us, I think a big tie in was, you know, Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy were coming back, which to me was like, oh, this is even better now, you know, so we're getting our two voice talents back. You know, this is a great story. And I even wound up, you know, I went to the premiere when they hosted it movie theaters and I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. You know, I can't wait. But and, you know, obviously I'm in a movie theater with a bunch of fans who want to see this stuff, too. I tell you what, I've never like it got awkward, you know, that <laughs> first half an hour because it was it was so out of place. It was so forced. You're kind of like, why the hell are you showing this? Like, what, what you you've got us here. Why are you, you know, just. It's kind of like those Axel Braun porn parodies, you know, you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> Hulk and She-Hulk are doing what? No, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, you know, same thing. Batman and Batgirl are doing what? Like, where is Axel Braun's name on this? It needs to be on this because this is stupid. This is just <laughs> horrible. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep beating a dead horse with it, but it just, it did. It just, I, I, it did more damage than it did help, which I think, again, you know, those executives just, you know, get out of the way and let the talent do their job. <laughs> and you know what's funny? Uh, not to bring it back to uh, the other podcast again, but on We Are Entertained, you, uh, you said almost the exactly same thing I said to another person right after I after I watched the movie, and I know we hadn't even talked about it. But you said, uh, I, I said to someone, I said, you know, why would 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 anybody actually ever sleep with their best friend's daughter? Like, like right? And and to me, that's what Gordon is to to Batman. Maybe not to Bruce because they don't know that the or he's not supposed. Gordon's not supposed to know that it's Bruce, and you know that can be debatable now, but. Yeah, right. you 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 just I I know that he's he's not he's not literally the one that went for it, but like he's Batman. Don't tell me he couldn't get her off of him. So <laughs> right, no, exactly. Like I just thought about it the whole time watching. Like that's your that's your friend's daughter. You know, like I, I mean, to me, I always think of Jim Gordon and Batman. I always think of Batman the animated series, and when they had it was when they first moved to WB and they did that episode where it was New Year's Eve and the Joker was going to do that big massacre and they stopped it. And then at the end you have Batman and Gordon and they're sitting at a, a coffee table having a cup of coffee together. And they're like, all right, here's to another year. And I was like, yeah, that exactly. Like that's, that's what you do with your best friend. That's what you do. You don't boink their daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just, I, 
I was so turned off by that. I was just like, what the hell? This is weird. And the one last thing that I had to say about that is did did you not did you not get a, a weird like like did Michael or Kevin Conroy's like voice not sound right to you? Because to me it sounded a little off than what he normally puts out. I think it definitely it was different. You know, like I, I did not hear the animated Batman in that. You know, like I, I kept waiting to like close my eyes and kind of like sink back into childhood when it was on Fox. And yeah, I didn't really, I didn't hear, I mean, it wasn't bad what he did, but it didn't sound like what I'm used to. Which, which makes me wonder if, if it's, uh, if it's, if it's, he wanted to do something, he wanted to change it a little bit because it's such a, a darker material or if it's just cause you know, he's getting up there in age. I think even he knew <laughs> when he read the script. He's like, "I gotta do what? <laughs> I'm not giving this my real Batman voice. I need the paycheck, but I'm not giving it my real Batman voice." <laughs> but then again, you could be right. I think honestly, I think the years are getting on, and so obviously, it's like, yeah, you know, his his grim and gritty is getting grimmier and grittier. <laughs> All right. So going back to the original question, which one would be your favorite Batgirl? Well, I guess for me. Um, I would definitely say I, 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 and this goes back to the when it was on Fox, the animated series, the Batman the animated series, the Fox version of Batgirl. I liked her. Um, I thought she was great. I, I enjoyed the playful relationship she had with Dick Grayson as Robin. I thought that was great. Um, when they moved them to Warner Brothers, she grew up a little too fast for me. So I guess my favorite iconic version I always think about is the the Batgirl from the Fox the animated series Barbara Gordon. Yeah, uh, the one that's, that's my pick. probably just starting college and learning library science and stuff like that so she can be a librarian, yep. right? Good old Babs. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know what in, in, in original Barbara, you know, original Batgirl uh or I guess I don't know the one that the, the iconic Batgirl is good, but I I really do like Cassandra Kane. I like the idea of her I like uh, how she was trained to be an assassin by her father, who in, in, in his own right was an assassin. And like the whole idea of she was never learned how, or she was never taught how to speak like with her voice, like verbally, so that right. she would learn to just talk to people with body language, so that it make her a better assassin. Just kind of was always a cool concept to me. So. And of course, I you know I, I I think I started reading a lot more of Batman comic books right around No Man's Land, which is when she was introduced. So that was uh, she's she would be my entryway into uh, Batgirl. Yeah, and she had a cool costume. I always remember she had that sewed on mouth, and I was like, oh, this is it's kind of it's it's a very visual costume. She's a very visual character. So yeah, she's a good pick. I I appreciate Cassandra Kane. Cool. Um, you know she's back in the books as Orphan. Really? That's interesting. Because yep. yeah, I know one she... more reason why I need to start reading Detective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. With uh, I think after I think actually even before New Fifty Two, she was she was gone. Like, uh, I think I don't know. Yeah, she just kind of vanished. Oh, I think it was um, after. Wasn't it after uh, like the whole Batman or yeah, Batman Fugitive or Bruce Wayne Fugitive storyline when she found out that Bruce Wayne and Batman were the same person? Like she just took off. She's like, I can't trust you people anymore. I think so, yeah. She definitely just kind of got written out into the, the ether and was forgotten about for a long time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at. Well, I, I hope we can keep up more of these. Uh, I like to get what – I like to hear what other listeners have to think about, you know, the iterations of these uh, characters as they've gone throughout the years because we we do – we almost have, what, 100 years of comic books now or at least the comic yeah, books Yeah, we're coming we up on the centennial. So uh, – yeah, it would be great to see what other people think about classic golden age, uh, silver age, you know, and, and the future. Cause you know, who knows where it's going to go from here, but, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad a lot of people participated. Well, you know, and it's funny, this is something that's scary to think about. So when we really started looking at like the era, we entered comic books and things like that, you know, the nineties, we're coming up on 25 years. Um, that's true i was looking i was I, I recently bought some back issue comics of avengers back when kurt busek and george perez were writing it because I've, I've been just I, I like wonder man he's one of my favorite characters i was like oh man so i was kind of reminiscent as i was looking through the back issue bin and so i picked up these comics and one of them is celebrating the 35th anniversary of the avengers 
and now we're talking like the 50 plus anniversary. I was like, oh Jesus, <laughs> that's 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 not right. I just remember buying that issue. I remember ordering it in preview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's time marches on. So, <laughs> oh God, it marches too fast. I need to uh, I need to get my booster gold suit and go back. <laughs> Go back to the Bwahaha days. <laughs> well, talking about uh, you know uh, an anniversary that's coming up, the original Secret Wars was 1985, I want to say? Yeah, just about, yeah. So, uh, you know, not too long ago, Dar- Marvel had another Secret Wars, and that's part of your challenge for this week. Yes. Okay, so I'll go ahead and throw out the intro if you're fine with that. Uh-huh. So, let's see. Um, back... In an, uh, uh, another humble era of comic books, uh, DC Comics was announcing they were going to do Identity Crisis. And everybody was losing it because crisis, that's a big word when you're talking DC. And Marvel was uh, saying they were going to do Secret War, which was a big title for them. So it was a very, you know, going back and touching on some nostalgia. Because Crisis on Infinite Earths and the original Secret Wars, they ran about the same time. So anyways, with this, I decided it'd be fun because we're always, you know, playing in the other's sandbox. So I thought it would be great to say, all right, let's take Brian Michael Bendis' Secret Wars story, which basically has Nick Fury is – it kind of plays with some of the whole – counterterrorism advanced attacks type mentality that we were that we were going through in a post 9-11 world <clears throat> and so nick fury in fear of the new latvian prime minister lucia von barden he decides to get spider-man captain america wolverine daredevil luke cage and black widow he decides to basically get them to be secret agents, uh, armors them up in some new cool stealth costumes. And what they're going to do is they're going to go and do a counterattack, a preemptive strike, because what's going on with Lucia is she's going to plan on taking all the uh, tech-based supervillains and amping them up and attacking New York. So, of course, Nick Fury's not going to let that stand. So the mission happens. They stop everything, and everything's fine. And as far as Spider-Man, Cap, Wolverine, Daredevil, Luke, and Black Widow are concerned, it never happened. Because, of course, Nick Fury being the ultra super spy that he is, he makes them forget. And the story opens with Luke Cage being, you know, around his hometown. And all of a sudden he gets attacked. And I, I think it was an explosion or he got beaten. And he had to be hospitalized. And it was tough because they can't operate on him due to his invulnerable skin. So all of a sudden, the other heroes start putting the pieces together, their memories come back, and they realize what Nick Fury did. Uh, This storyline is also famous for introducing Daisy Johnson, a.k.a. Quake, a.k.a. the star of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Correct. Um, So that's what gave us Daisy in the Marvel Universe. And that also is what set the stakes for what would start the, the current era of all the summer blockbusters from Marvel. Because Nick Fury was outed as the, as the top cop. And I believe that's when Maria Hill stepped in. And then, of course, these events started leading on to the original Secret War, to the original Civil War, on to Secret Invasion, on to uh, Black Rain, Siege, and so on and so on and so on. So that was kind of the, the start of the whole avalanche for the Marvel U. So I thought it'd be fun to take this challenge and say, okay, who is your Nick Fury? Who's your top cop secret spy that's going to assemble a group of heroes to go attack some bad guy? And, you know, kind of give me maybe a brief synopsis of your story and, you know, who's the character. If you've got an original character to introduce or who would have been your character, that would basically kind of be the Daisy Johnson of that storyline, if that makes sense. Got, yeah, it, it makes all sense. And I do want to say just with uh, full disclosure, I did read when the, when this came out, I did read the first two, two or three issues, I believe, of this, this storyline. But uh I think with all the delays, I ended up kind of losing it in the shuffle and never finishing it. So uh, after you told me the general gist of the story and I went and uh, read it, uh, read what I could on online, either from Wikipedia or other websites, uh, I think I had a good – I came up with a good cast of uh, characters from the DCU. So I think I want to go first since I didn't have the most knowledge of this. All right. Well, let's go for it. Let me, let me, let me hear what you got. All right. So – uh, my story would start off since you have uh, it would start, uh, and I just want to put down that this more than likely would happen uh, after countdown. So in that one year later time period, I believe. 
Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's actually that works because that could totally be a hidden story in the one year. So I did yeah, that. Yeah. Exactly. That's why that's kind of where I was trying to go with it. Uh, and you would open up with uh, instead of Luke Cage trying to get surgery done and they can't do it because of the 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 rock hard skin or metal skin. I don't, I don't know what the, what do they say rock hard skin with with Luke Cage. I you know sometimes I hear rock sometimes I hear steel. I it's it kind of it varies on the writer. So I'm gonna go with rock hard skin. I think that works. <laughs> well, you know steel also works because I went with Citizen Steel. Oh, very nice. You I know, like the son of. Uh, was it Commander Steel or, or Sergeant Steel? Commander Steel, yeah. Yes. Commander Steel. Yeah, Commander Steel and uh and just Steel, I believe. But yeah, Citizen Steel. Uh my my so that would be open up the book and you would find your Nick Fury in this is actually Maxwell Lord. So Oh my gosh. <laughs> Alright. Oh wow. So after uh he kills uh T- Ted Core Blue Beetle, he he goes and he recruits all these um superheroes to do his dirty work in uh instead of the contessa whoever you said he was that was in latveria uh lucia von barden yeah lucia it's going to be talia ghoul because he wants them to invade the 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 league of shadows and take them down so using using his uh you know mind control power that's now a little bit more amped up he uh for your captain america we got wonder woman Nice, and right, we patriotic. Because you know, plus you know how it's going to end up for Wonder Woman and, and Maxwell Lord. Yeah, that's a that's a good. I like how that still keeps the actual events of the DCU running into it. That's cool. I dig it. For my Daredevil, you have Nightwing because you know they they have very similar fight styles. Uh, you know, and and I think the stealth would would play off well each other right there. Uh, I like that. I'm a very fan. I'm a very big fan of that. One. <laughs> <laughs> for Black Widow, we have Huntress. Uh, nice. For Wolverine, we have Hawkman. Oh, good pick. I like the anger there. Yeah, and that's kind of where I went with that was was the anger. And then for Spider Man, I kind of went a little bit deep, and I might be doing this just because uh, for a little bit of uh, nepotism. But I went with Outburst. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah. once created character uh, yeah. and the nepotism comes in because his name was Mitch and that was like one of the first uh, <laughs> comic book characters that I read that had the first name of Mitch and I was like yeah that's me he's got cool <laughs> magnetism powers so uh, that was cool and then my my, introdu- my introduction character which was the Quake character I'm going to actually introduce ja- Jamie Reyes I want or Jaime Reyes I should say uh, the new Blue Beetle because I want, I think it would be weird to have Nick Fury or Maxwell Lord, who, who killed the last uh, Blue Blue Beetle, to introduce the new Blue Beetle. I, I like the symmetry in that because obviously, what he giveth, or what he what he taketh, he giveth. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Plays in that regard, so I like the I like the fallout from that. And actually, honestly, that makes me think of uh, Justice League Generation Lost, but I think I would like your version better. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, because I mean, like, like God, the whole um, Maxwell Lord. I mean, that was that was crazy when that happened, you know. And and it was such a uh, and I like it because it was such a Cladstein story. So that's that's what you've taken here is you've taken that and you're, you're giving it that edge. And I like your character picks, um, Hawkman and Wolverine. Right. I dig that. I think that's a great great mix. Uh, Daredevil and Nightwing. I think that's fantastic. And I like how. Wonder Woman replaces Cap, but I really like what's going to happen there because obviously you'll, you'll probably keep the mind wiping as the story did, and so I can just imagine you know Wonder Woman even more justified in her killing of Maxwell Lord. Right. Spoiler, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, most you know, most, as most people know, uh-huh. the reason she kills Maxwell Lord is because he has mind control over Superman at the moment, and uh, you know, how can you allow that to, to stick around? Someone in control of Superman, the greatest, you know probably the greatest weapon that they could ever have and she just goes over there and while cameras are right on them snaps his neck twists his head around and i think if you threw in the fact that he also at one point used her to go and kill off you know a whole bunch of people even though it's the league of shadows uh and then mind wiped her again she it just throws in that extra rage yeah i i totally dig that i think that's that 
that gives me good character. That I understand why. And plus, you know, now that it puts Wonder Woman on a very redemptive quest, and I'm looking forward to that. So I dig that. I like that. <laughs> and I like too. Like I said, it's it's a good introduction for Jaime. Um, I, I found myself thinking the same thing. I was like, oh man, which character do I want to introduce? And Jaime was the one that jumped out for me as well. But because of the character I picked, I couldn't really introduce him. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I think I know who you picked then. <laughs> but go ahead. I'd love to hear your story now. All right. Okay, so for me, I I set mine uh, during the 19... If I remember, I think it was 1986 Legends era. So instead of it being Suicide Squad, it was going to be this team right here. So basically, my Nick Fury is Rick Flagg. So I decided, you know, I said, heck with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Give him some more life as a top cop, so he's going to have a, a better role in the, the you know the United States government or you know the international government, whatever you want to look at it as. You know he's he's going to have that that higher role. And so basically, I thought, well, who's a good character in the global scheme of things? So I went with Vandal Savage, Ooh. and this one's going to be kind of cool. So Vandal Savage has man, has manipulated his way into the Markovian. Uh, prime minister spot and if you remember the 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 fictional city of markovia that's where geoforce and terra hail from they're both uh prince and princess so i thought it'd be cool that their land has been taken over by one of the greatest villains of the dc universe vandal savage and so obviously with a town like that and with a powerful family like that with savage being in control rick flag feels the need to be like all right we got to get in there and we got to do some we got to do some wet works here you know we got to do some stuff so just i mean not to and, okay. not, not to cut you off but would in your storyline would <clears throat> vandal savage be using uh like count vertigo as an in into markovia since he's always the one that's like trying to uh isn't wait is that count vertigo is trying to get into markovia I think so. I, I, he usually does kind of get tied up into that area. And I mean, I could definitely see using his character as, you know, he's definitely like, all right, that's, you know, because Vandal Savage is going to put himself out there looking clean, you know, like, hey, why are these people attacking me? So I could definitely see him using um, Count Vertigo kind of as, you know, his voice or his hands to do the dirty work. Okay. You know, so, hey, I'll, I'll steal that idea. I, <laughs> I love, I mean, that. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, so the story, of course, opens in the present. And so same thing. We have a, a body being rushed in to the hospital to be operated on. So here it is, this 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 strong physical man who looks like the perfect man as a as a young boy would see him. But we don't know who this man is. And obviously, when they try to do surgery on the body or anything, they can't they can't open it up. They can't do anything because our science isn't strong enough to do anything to the body of Captain Marvel. Ooh! So that's that's my Luke Cage right there. So that's how I'm going to open it up. And so obviously, some of the heroes are kind of like, well, what the hell's going on? So his teammates immediately are going to show up. And again, this is Justice League International era. So Black Canary, Guy Gardner, Captain Adam and Blue Beetle come up all together they kind of feel this nagging presence like well wait a minute what's going on why do we feel drawn together well obviously blue beetle would take the place of spider-man so he was their tactical genius uh captain adam would take the place of captain america so he's the ultimate field leader and obviously he would have been the easiest one to manipulate because of his ties to america right. and sadly he's going to be the one who wasn't mind wiped he knew so that's going to kind of put a little bit of tension with his teammates because they're going to be like, really? You let us go through with this and you let us get mind wiped and you played the part this whole time? So I thought that would be kind of a neat mix to put in there. Um, Guy Gardner actually is my – he's my Wolverine uh, <laughs> just because he's a foul-mouthed SOB. So I thought that would work. That's true. And then Black Canary for Black Widow, you know, again, another strong female lead who who can totally, you know, handle and hold her own. So I thought she'd be great in that regard. Um, now, the hard part was Daredevil. So as I looked, because I was like, man, I basically just ripped off Justice League International. And that's why I thought I was kind of the same idea as you. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just use Maxwell Lord. Maybe he'll be my figurehead. But I wanted to tie it more in with the government. So that's why I felt Rick Flagg would be the ultimate choice there. But so anyways, I kind of struggled with Daredevil, and I came to the same conclusion as you. Nightwing. Nightwing's the <laughs> perfect pick. And if anything, I thought Nightwing works out better because he's very Batman-like. 
So obviously he's going to help the team with as much as he can, tactical and items like that. But the best thing about him is he's not Batman. He's not Batman. He's gonna, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. You know, like he's got everything of Batman, but he's not Batman. So he can be, you know, not necessarily saying he's easily manipulated, but if you could control anybody, like if you want to get Batman without Batman, who's the best person? Probably Nightwing. Yeah. So I thought that's how... He's not oh, going to be. He's not going to be hard headed, and he's not going to have the stubbornness that Batman has. I mean, I'm not saying. Yeah, you're exactly. You're not saying that he's any worse than Batman, but he's obviously not going to be stuck to his guns as much as as Bruce is. Yeah, exactly. He'll be able to play the mission out if it goes awry. You know, he'll be the one to do what needs to be done. So I figured, yeah, that be that works out perfectly. So that that turns out to be the team. Um, and the, the hardest part was because of the era. So again, I thought like naturally I was thinking of more of the modern heroes and I was like, Oh, well, maybe this could be, you know, Ted Cord dies, but he dies a couple decades too early. So I was like, <laughs> Hmm. So I thought, Oh, you know, it could be better. I'll, I'll do something in the spirit of Jeff Johns. Let me take a character that sucked and bring him back. So if you know your justice league history, the Justice League that was before Justice League International, they all died. Right. Um, that's where you had Steel, Gypsy, um, oh, God, forgettable characters. And one of the best forgettable characters was Vibe. <laughs> so I would take this opportunity. Vibe would totally be my, you know, undercover U.S. or United States agent. That's he's the second hand for Rick Flag. So basically, when the JLA satellite or embassy or whatever it was got destroyed and the heroes were left astray, Rick Flag went in to go see what you know intel, data, things he could get, and he ran across young Paco, and he was like, "Hey, I'll, I'll save you." And that's why you know Vibe is willing to provide his services because that was the one person who took a risk on him. So that's why I figure I could get that same loyalty that Quake has for Nick Fury, Vibe would have for Rick Flag, And it kind of works because, again, they're both Earth-based powers, that Geomancer thing. So I thought that'd be kind of cool. Very cool. You know, I, I, I love it. And obviously, yeah, the, uh, the analogs that you have there between uh, your Justice League International team and your uh, Secret War team is, is very cool. And I love the way that it worked out and, and uh, we're able to get a good story out of that, especially, you know, using Rick flag, who we talked about in our last issue of, uh, character one one you know, a very underutilized character and, and definitely was probably supposed to be like a Nick Fury in the DC universe. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I envisioned that story. I thought, okay, you know, get him, get him to bolster up there. Um, have him be a stronger story, introduce Vandal Savage to the 1980s modern market as it would have been. <laughs> but plus, what I did like was, and I didn't even think about this, but if you read that that story, and I recommend you go back and check it out for sure, that Secret War, that's basically a precursor to Bendis's New Avengers. Because if you look at that team, Spider-Man, Captain America, uh, Wolverine, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Black Widow, those are characters he used in his vision in his uh, Avengers run. You're right. So I was kind of like, damn, I didn't even think about that. So uh, that's why I didn't feel too bad for basically stealing Justice League International. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of you just replace uh, Daredevil with Ronan, and you're kind of exactly. kind of there. Which for the longest time, a lot of people thought Ronan was Daredevil was was Matt Murdock. Yeah, well, I think it. I think it was supposed to be, but even then, by his own admission, what he started doing with the Daredevil books, he was kind of like, "Oh shit, I'm going to drop that idea because this one's better." <laughs> uh, great, you know. Once again, we have uh, another uh, pretty great challenge. I mean, I don't think I, we've ever. I'd ever say that we had a bad challenge because I like us so, <laughs> and I like our storytelling. But no, uh, I guess it would then be left up to our, our audience, our listening audience. What did you guys think of our challenge? What did you think of our teams? Are you familiar with the Secret War mo- book? Uh, so how do you think this would play out with DC if you have your own team that would be interested in uh, uh, sharing with us? So, you know, get at us. You, I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Chris is on, on Twitter as... As stuff I should say, should being spelled S-H-U-D. So, yeah, definitely hit us up. Uh, let us know. You know, go read Secret War. It's a great little story. And, you know, cast in the DC universe yourself. Would you find yourself using the same characters we did? Um, what are the themes that you discovered as you teamed up your heroes? You know, it's it's always fun. It, basically, it's a great way to get the creative juices flowing, uh, taking stories and, and expanding upon it even more so. Do it. Go out there and read and come back and tell us about it. 
Exactly, and 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 the most important part out of that is go go out go go out there and read it. Read read comic books. Make sure that they you know they stick around for a long time because if you're just a fan of the movies and the TV shows, guess where all those stories are coming from? They're coming from the comic books. So we need to keep the comic books in business. Yep, you're missing out on some amazing stuff. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Geek Elite Radio is also on Twitter as at Geek Elite Radio. Uh, you can do most of our conversation over at Facebook. It's facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio. And uh, be part of our community. Join into the conversation. See what everybody else has to say. Uh, then add in, add in your own two cents. Tell us that we're a bunch of idiots if you want. That's cool. We'll, we'll talk about <laughs> it. Uh, but we just want to talk. So uh, do that. And then head over to our website at, or it's just geekeliteradio.com for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts in the geek elite radio network so next week uh chris we should have another 101 i believe we're gonna do uh the new ghost rider if you're watching ages of shield on tv you'll see that there is a new ghost rider it's the third ghost rider in the comic book. well the third ghost rider that we consider ghost rider i guess because i mean we have past ghost riders with the phantom rider and yeah, they they've done a they, they've made him more of a legacy than he was originally intended to be. So <laughs> exactly, yeah, basically the the latest incarnation of Ghost Rider, the first one to drive a car. So that's true. That's kind of interesting. The first Hispanic <laughs> one. So that would be yeah, that's very true because right? he's from East LA. His name is Robbie Reyes, and uh, we will have to see what we can find out and what we know about this particular one and why he drives a car instead of a motorcycle. But uh, a hell charger. <laughs> oh, a hell charger. There you go. Um, it's got horsepower. I get it. You know, the first one, you know, Phantom Rider rode a horse. Yeah, there it all go. comes back together. <laughs> uh, and then we'll probably do a little bit about the legacy of the Ghost Rider and, and now also Phantom Rider. So uh, definitely tune in for that one and uh, see what we have to say. And if you have anything that you want to, want us to include in the next podcast, talk to us on one of the many ways that we told you. Uh, but until then, this has been Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.